Thanks, Carl. Yeah, I guess Obadiah is uh, one of those books that uh, not many people have read. So short. Uh, if you're wondering, we're doing a series of postcards. It's uh, the summer, everyone is in and out, so all the kind of one-chapter books of the Bible. And that's including one in the Old Testament. But uh, yeah, Obadiah is unfamiliar. Prophets are so unfamiliar. All these names and places we don't know. So a little introduction so you can make sense of the reading. You see a map here. Uh, this is uh, Obadiah says, this is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. Edom is there in the bottom. It's a, a country south of uh, Judah, Israel, south of God's people. So they were neighbors. But if you know your Bible, uh, Edom and Judah, they were more than neighbors. They were brothers because they come from Jacob and Esau. You may remember Abraham at the beginning of the Bible. He had a son, Isaac, and Isaac had uh, yeah, twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And even though Esau was the older one, uh, Jacob ended up with the promise of God. And Esau hated that. And from these two brothers came these two nations. Uh, Jacob became Israel, God's people, and Esau, well, became Edom, uh, the Edomites. And so as we hear the reading later, there's constantly kind of, yeah, Jacob versus Esau, Judah versus Edom, Mount Zion versus Mount Esau. And uh, I guess siblings, they tend to fight sometimes. Did Esau and Jacob, did Edom and Judah get on well? Well, no. There was never-ending hatred and fighting. And so, short, you know, uh, what happened to Jacob? He went to Egypt for hundreds of years, became the people of Israel. We saw that in Exodus. And then when they came out and they wanted to, they asked Edom, can we pass through your land to God's promised land? We won't take anything. Well, Edom refused, uh, sent an army. And, uh, yeah, from there on, they've always been fighting. All throughout history, Edom's been attacking. Under David and Solomon, Israel was the strongest, and they could subdue Edom, and there was peace, but later, constant fighting. If you read through the Bible, say the prophets, the prophets preached over a long time. Edom is the most often mentioned as this, this country with this, this constant, intense hatred of God's people, even though they should have been brothers. And the lowest point, uh, yeah, was 586 BC. Uh, Babylon came to destroy Jerusalem for her sins, uh, the, the exile. What did Edom do? Did they help their brother? Well, in Psalm 137, uh, you probably know that, by the rivers of Babylon, very famous psalm, what did they say? Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Uh, that is Edom. Uh, and what, what would God think of this? What would God say to the people? Well, let me pray, and then we'll have Obadiah read. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that all of it is God-breathed and useful. Please uh, speak to us, speak to all our hearts. Show us your glory and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. And Betty will come and read for us. Please excuse my voice, it's a little bit croaky. Okay. 
the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off. Would they have not stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. How his hidden treasures shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. But as you you should not have gazed on the day of your brother, in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yes, They shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they have never been. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be a stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them, and no survivor shall remain of the house of Esau. For the Lord has spoken. The south shall possess the mountains of Esau. The lowland shall possess Philistia. They shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captives of this host of the children of Israel 
shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. The captives of Jerusalem are in Shepard, shall possess the cities of the south. Then Savior shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdoms shall be the Lord's. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Now, I really hope that helped, eh? that you have some of the background, and suddenly this prophecy makes more sense. Um, still, of course, it's, it's not easy always to take in. Uh, the Bible is full of judgment, and this chapter is no exception. But at the end of the sermon today, I hope you will see that this is good news. This is a really encouraging, hopeful book. And maybe you're here as a visitor, you think, what is that all about? And this is great hope, good news. Although, look, um, this is a big book, lots of verses. I can't talk about everything. Uh, sometimes people, they, they hear a sermon, and what about this verse, and you're worried. You know, my email is on the notice sheet. If you have any questions, you know, just ask me. Uh, don't worry about things, ask me. But, uh, yeah, this is an encouraging book. And I guess the question uh, what makes it encouraging? It always depends on who you are, who you are. Maybe sometimes you heard some people talk and they were very negative about someone and you thought that's you and you were really hurt and then later you asked them, and, no, no, I wasn't talking about you. Yeah? It wasn't about you. I think that's going to be the key here. But let's dive in. Uh, in some way, the, the first 14 verses are pretty clear. Well, crime and punishment. Crime and punishment. It's an announcement of judgment against Edom. And it's a bit like a judge reading out a verdict, isn't it? Saying there will be, uh, there, there'll be punishment for a crime. I say crime and punishment. It's actually the other way around. So, yeah, uh, let's hear. Verse 1. God calls the nations to go and attack Edom. We've heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, rise, let us go against her for battle. Uh, Not just the nations, God himself. eh? See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. Uh, Yeah, the the description, I I think it's it's terrifying, isn't it? Verse 5, if thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? I don't know if you've ever been burgled. I guess maybe they, they stole your laptop and your passports and your money and your gold. But they, they left the laundry and the furniture. But in this case, there'll be yeah, nothing left. Yeah, how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. Uh, total destruction. They'll be betrayed. Verse 7, all your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Uh, slaughter, verse 9, your warriors, Teman, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Uh, it's a terrifying announcement of, of judgment, but as you heard, it's absolutely deserved. Uh, um, first, yeah, God talks about their pride. Back in verse 3, the pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. And you think this is all about me and I'm invincible? No. And the thing, yeah, the thing that he singles out, what's, how you see this, is this violence in 
10 to 14. Eh? Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you'll be covered with shame. You'll be destroyed forever. Because as you heard, yeah, they, they didn't really help, isn't it? They didn't help Judah, their brother, when the Babylonians came. They, uh, well, they stood aloof, verse 11. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth. They just, uh, you know, they, <laughs> they just stood to the side. Yeah, come on. Right? Uh, verse 12, they gloated and rejoiced. And you shouldn't gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune. Uh, it sounds like something future. No, no, look, you shouldn't have done that, God is saying. And uh, you shouldn't have looted and plundered. Uh, verse 13, you shouldn't march through the gates and seize their wealth. Uh, it's great. Uh, the city is burning and people are fleeing. Let me help myself to all the stuff that I can get. Uh, that's wrong. And then you have verse 14, the worst. And you, you shouldn't wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, uh, killing helpless fugitives. This is a real crime, taking advantage of others' misfortune like this. That's wrong. Uh, I mean, Eden was a foreign nation. They didn't have God's law, but you don't need God's instructions for this, right? If you're a human being with a conscience, you shouldn't do this. These These are crimes against humanity, and so inhuman, taking advantage of, uh, yeah, of, of refugees. I mean, when you read this, you, you think of the current refugee crisis, right? And all the, all the crimes going on there. I mean, so many people are desperate to leave Middle Eastern countries. But there's just evil people who take advantage of that. And women who want to escape and they fall into the hands of sex traffickers. Uh, people who pay lots and lots of money and then they are put on a boat for a hundred people with 700 and they sink while other people get rich from that. Uh, that is, that's a crime. That's wrong. And yeah, as Daniel prayed, we, we see it around us sometimes. People who are poor, they need money and they're forced to work incredibly long hours for really no pay. That, that's wrong. Right? You can imagine the outrage therefore. God is indignant. God is not losing his temper here. He he is just, and he sees this injustice. He sees this crime, and so, yeah, he burns with anger. Now, that sounds terrifying. I agree. But whether this is terrifying depends on who is addressed. So imagine, yeah, a judge reading out a court verdict. Uh, I made this up. Uh, The judge says, John Adams, you have been found guilty Uh, On every charge, Uh, you forced your way into the home of 80-year-old Angela Smith. You clubbed her repeatedly and left her for dead. You stole all her savings and other valuables and spent it all in one night in a casino. I sentence you to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Now, that would be quite, yeah, for Mr. John Adams, that would be quite a uh, thing to hear, right? Life in prison. But what if you were Angela Smith? What if you were this 80-year-old woman who was left for dead? Then this is good news, right? This is relief. What has been done to you has been seen. And and justice is done. And a wrong has been put right. And then it's suddenly good news. Because 
Obadiah didn't go to Edom. He was not a messenger to Edom. No, no. This is a message for the victims. It's a message for Judah. And for them, yeah, it's hope for the future. Hope for the future. Had these guys, they had suffered, yeah, they had suffered a terrible injustice. And in general, it was a very low point. The Babylonians had destroyed their city, burned their temple, taken the nation captive. That was deserved. That was God's punishment for the way they'd rejected him. But then the Edomites just made it worse. And they they took advantage. The the hatred of Judah. Such crimes. You could hear their cry back in the Psalms, right? Remember what the Edomites did. A hopeless situation. But then they get this message from God about Edom. And, And Edom is facing punishment for their crimes. That's good. Edom has been put on trial. They've been convicted. The arrest warrant has been put out. This is wonderful news. This is, yeah, the hope of of justice. Can you imagine what that would do for their faith? They'd suffered so much. Where is God? And God says, no, I've seen that. And I'm going to do something about that. This is wrong. I will do something about that. Right? Isn't that a wonderful God? A God who who sees crimes and, and burns with anger and actually does something. And so often we... We see what goes wrong, and we think it's wrong, but we're just too busy with life to do something about it. God will do something about it. He will act. I mean, for these people especially, they thought God had rejected them, maybe. He should have for their sin. But God, no, he's still committed. He still cares. And he is, yeah, he's going to do something about this. That's wonderful news. Uh, just to say that this is real, real justice. In the sense that it, you can easily read this and think, well, God just, he likes Judah, but he doesn't like Esau. And it, it is just favoritism. I mean, if you read the whole Bible, God does not show favoritism. Uh, if you read the previous book, Amos, I don't know how many of you read Amos, but uh, uh, here, this is something God says to Moab in Amos. For three sins of Moab, even for four, I will not relent, because he burned to ashes the bones of Edom's king. I will send fire on Moab that will consume the fortresses of Kiriath. When when, when Edom's being wronged, God is also angry. Or when Israel, when they do wrong, later in Amos, for three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver. And the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. God is just. When Israel sins, they get punished. It's very clear. But in this case, yeah, it's very clear. Edom is the criminal. Judah is the victim. And and also, don't forget the never-ending hatred of Edom. This may sound harsh, but... This comes after 900 years of fighting, right? With some people, there's just no peace possible. Like with ISIS, there was no negotiation possible. They wouldn't lay down their arms. The only way for there to be peace in Iraq and Syria is for these guys to be destroyed. It's the only way to have peace. And and we should trust that God, yeah, is just and he will do what is needed.
But as you can see, this is, this is hopeful. This is good news. This is justice and peace. And the wonderful thing, it's only the beginning. This is only the beginning. Because you might think, yeah, well, that's Eden, but we're still in exile, and there's the Babylonians, etc. But look at verse 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. This is coming on, on everyone. It's for everyone ever done. It was Patty read from the ESV, I think, but it said for. There was a, the two are connected. Edom is getting now, but this is something that will come on everyone. And yeah, that's for justice, the day of the Lord. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. God will pay back everyone for what they've done. Every wrong that has been done will be righted. And that is a good thing. Not just one crime, every crime will be punished, all wrongdoing put right. And so for victims, this is a complete, total hope, right? Of complete, total justice. Because for Judah herself, God's people, the future looks good. You see verse 17. But on Mount Zion there will be deliverance. It will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance. God will... Yeah, he will keep his promises. He will restore Judah. Uh, they will get all the land that was ever promised. Um, yeah, that uh, verse 19 must be confusing. You don't know where all these places are. But if you go through it, uh, it's kind of south and west and north and east. And uh, the people from the Negev, they will occupy the mountains of Esau. People from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines, etc. Uh, all the land God had promised to Abraham, they will get. God will make it right. And God will then be in charge. Verse 21. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. God is the true king. Now it looks like others are in charge. But then, yeah, God is the king and everything will be according to his wonderful character. Everything will be right. So this this is real hope that Obadiah talks about, a future when God will act, when he'll put everything right. I mean, wouldn't it give you real hope? I mean, we like justice, but the thing is we can only do a bit here. I mean, think of something as evil as World War II and all the evil that was committed there. Now, we've tried to do some things, right? Right? Some people, they, they were convicted and trialed, and, and that was good. And some repayments have been made, yes. But so many people who committed war crimes escaped. They died before they could be punished, or they still haven't been found. So many victims, they've died and lost everything. And, and we can't make that right, right? That's lost. By ourselves, we can never undo something like World War II. Right? It's too big. We can't make that right. But God says he will make everything right. He will punish every injustice, make everything right again. Even something as big as World War II, he will completely make it right. Do you believe that? That that is God's plan. He will make everything right. Uh, That is what the world is looking for. Maybe 
You're a visitor and you wonder, you know, all this injustice, where is God? If he is there, he should do something. And God says, yes, I will. He will do something. He'll make everything right at the end. And I hope you can see that this is good news. This is right. This is wonderful. Although, of course, but who, who are we then? And because, yeah, you have Edom and Judah. And any Edomites here? Any, maybe, maybe a Jewish person here, but uh, this was 2,600 years ago. Edom was destroyed a few decades later. It's not addressed to us directly. I mean, can we take this and apply it to ourselves? Well, certainly God is always the same. And that's the first thing you can always do. God is always the same. You can see what he is like. Passionate about justice. Outraged by crimes against humanity. And he's going to act. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. Everything will be his way. That's why it's called the day of the Lord, the day when God will show what he's like and make everything his way. Now the question is, who are we, isn't it? Should we read this as addressed to Edom, to us, or should we be Judah? (laughs) If you think about it, I guess we have to say that we're both in a way, isn't it? We're both in some way. I mean, after all, we're sinners living in a world with other sinners, And that's the problem. If I look at my marriage, I have a pretty good marriage. But I do things wrong. I'm selfish, and so I hurt my wife regularly. And she is selfish, and she does things wrong, and she hurts me. And my kids sin against us, and we handle discipline always not well, and, you know, we sin against them. And Right? That's the world we live in. We hurt others, and others hurt us. Maybe your boss is very unreasonable, treats you unfairly. But then again, are you always fair to everyone? And that's the problem. We're all part of this society, this humankind. And yeah, there's, there's good and bad. But if God is just, if he will punish every crime, that means we are, in a way, all on the wrong side, isn't it? And we all face this justice. In some ways, we've all done things wrong. We haven't done what they did. No, we haven't looted and killed. Maybe you have. Uh, Most of us haven't. But then again, in our hearts, we've been proud. We have hated people in our hearts. And Jesus says, well, hatred is like murder. Right? Um, We want stuff that others have. And that is the same as looting, right? Same heart. And so, yeah, if God would come and really do this, bring total justice, none of us are okay. As you have done, it will be done to you. I have thought things about others that I wouldn't want God to do to me. And so we, yeah, we need Jesus, isn't it? The first thing when we read is we should think, well, we need Jesus. We need to escape. We need to be forgiven. We need to be safe. Because what Jesus did, he died and he took this punishment. He took verses 1 to 9 for us. And then, yeah, if he has taken it, we are safe. That's why we need the gospel. And then we can stand in the judgment, not because we deserve it, no, but because the punishment has been paid by Jesus. And so, yeah, you read the New Testament, and there's no kind of ethnic Israel and ethnic nations, no Jews and Gentiles who believe in Jesus. They are God's people. 
because they are forgiven. They are right with God. And, and Mount Zion, yeah, that's ultimately the heavenly Jerusalem. But if we believe in Jesus, if we've done that, if we are really are God's people in that way, then we can have this hope. Then that day will be great hope. Then when God will make everything that is wrong right, well, we have already been made right. We don't need to be made right again. And so you can imagine how this speaks to many Christians around the world. Hong Kong is a real exception. Most Christians in the world, India or, uh, well, even across the border, uh, Christians get their stuff stolen, they get beaten up, and the police just stands aloof. They don't do anything. Many Muslim countries. Isn't it wonderful that God cares about that and will make that right? Uh, It's great that ISIS is basically defeated. But so many Christians have lost their lives, seem to have lost everything. But God will make that right. Maybe, Maybe you are a victim of injustice. I don't know what your workplace is like. Maybe you're taken advantage of in... Uh, for your working hours. Maybe as a helper, that's very real to you. you know? Or someone else has wronged you. And maybe you feel no one knows. No one cares. This will never be right. No one can help me. So many people think there's just no hope and they just seek alcohol or something to, to drown it out. And we can't do anything, no. But God will make it right. The day of the Lord is coming. Every wrong will be righted. Of course, it doesn't mean we should all just leave it to God. Because most of us, we aren't poor Christians who are helpless, right? We, we, we can do some justice. We should share God's heart. We see injustice going on, and I think we should try to change things if we can. And we should campaign and try to make a difference. I think that's a way to love our neighbors, It's not what people need most. Most of all, they need the gospel. That's very clear from Obadiah. But we want want to change things. But Obadiah, it's hope for the hopeless. When we can't change the wrong done to us, God will make it right. And when we can't change all the wrongs being done around us, because the world is just too big and too corrupt and too unjust, we are powerless, but God will make it right. And we can remember that, and, and, and we can hope in that. And, and, and yeah, and it's not just injustice. God will deal with all suffering, death and mourning and crying, everything. A great hope. I, I hope that's encouraging. But, but maybe you, you, you struggle to believe that. And maybe God seems so absent, so much is wrong. You don't think he will do it. It's just words. But that is, I think, where Obadiah is so helpful. Because it's not just words. God also gives us proof in history. Because you might wonder, well, if God is going to do everything at the end, why Edom now? Why does he judge Edom now and then everything else at the end? Well, Edom is a, is a foretaste. He does one thing now so we can see it. And we know he will do the rest. The day of the Lord is near for all nations, but it is a reason for Edom. And like our church center, we've expressed our interest to the developer, to the agent, 
but that's just words. When are we a serious buyer? Well, when we've paid the 5% deposit. And then they know, okay, we're really going to buy it. And the other 95% will come. That's the thing here. Edom is like a, a deposit. God, he judges Edom. He shows, I care about justice. And we can see that. And we know, yeah, he will bring all justice at the end. Right? Because, you know, Edom was destroyed within biblical history. In, in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, how does it start? I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? Well, wasn't Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Now, you can ask me later about love and hate, but, you know, Esau was destroyed. God says, look, I love you, and you know that. Look at Esau. They've been destroyed. And you go to the Middle East, and Edom is no longer there. It's proof that God will make everything right one day. Now, of course, yeah, maybe that doesn't prove much to you. It's not miraculous. It was just another nation that destroyed them. Now, what can we look at? Why don't you look at the resurrection? And God does it more often. He gives proof in history. Will we all be raised from the dead? Can can God do that? Will he do that? Look at Jesus. That was a historical fact. It was a miracle. And it shows God's justice. Right? If you think about the cross, that was the greatest injustice ever. Here was the only innocent man who ever lived. And he was falsely accused and condemned and executed. It's a grave injustice. And what did God do? Did he leave it? No, he made it right. He made Jesus alive again because Jesus didn't deserve to be dead. God was just. And the resurrection, yeah, therefore it shows God's justice. And you want to know if God is just? Look in history. Look at the resurrection. Just like they could look at Edom. Of course, that's not great for those who did it. When Peter preaches the resurrection, people go, oh dear, what shall we do? Well, repent. But the resurrection is, yeah, as you know, it's good news. And it's history, it's proof. So really, if you have no hope, if life is difficult, if you wonder if it will ever get better, for Jesus it did get better, right? It is real. You see God is just, and you know he will make everything right. What a great way to finish. Why don't we spend half a minute to reflect, and then we'll sing about the resurrection as the music team comes up. So why don't we spend some time reflecting?